You're listening to Mitnick's Monthly Brushstrokes, a podcast on the art of outsmarting, the fun part that sets you apart. I'm Keith Mitnick, author of Don't Eat the Bruises, How to Foil Their Plans to Spoil Your Case. For more information, please visit keithmitnick.com. All right, in the last podcast, we talked about the importance of the old adage, you can't judge a book by its cover, and the importance of what I call the permanent injury analogy, or putting an end to the you don't look hurt trick. The next step in that that I would like to talk to you about is another analogy. And I want to give you the analogy, and then I want to take you through some segments of that analogy and then give you an example of them all put together so you can see it in use. But here is the next analogy in the series of taking away this you don't look hurt trick. And I call it the pilot light pain analogy. And it's this simple. Explain to the jury the kind of pain we're talking about is often called pilot light pain because it's always there on the inside flickering. It can get turned up higher depending on the level of activities, but the baseline is always present. Their tails, like a poker player twitches a little if they got a great hand, they call that a tail. Their tails that'll give that kind of pilot light pain away to loved ones, the look in their eye or their mood. But otherwise, other people can't detect it by looking at them from the outside. That pilot light analogy, at least the older jurors will all have had a stove in the past, had a pilot light. And I think most people, even if they haven't seen it with their own eyes and a hot water heater, have the concept of that flickering little light that can get turned up higher and blaze hotter under circumstances. But it's kind of always there in the background flickering. And that imagery really describes the person who has pain that is not preventing them from doing activities, but it's there interfering with the enjoyment of those activities. And that leads to a related concept I want to cover. And there's several of these related concepts that fit under the pilot light pain analogy. And one of them is this basic premise that this kind of pain that your client has doesn't prevent experiences. It takes away from them. I'm going to say that again because it's really important. This kind of pain doesn't prevent experiences. doesn't mean they have to sit everything out. But it does take away from those experiences and the pleasure of those experiences. It impacts the experience of whatever the person's doing. That's why they talk about we experience pain. The experiences are filtered through discomfort. It's distracting. It's annoying like background noise. Dull pains like a dull headache, dampening the person's spirits. They're in an endless cycle of many setbacks taking a toll, and it's a new way of life. Life goes on, and they keep doing, but it feels different. That's the next concept. Here's the next concept, and I promise you at the end of this, I'm going to put most of these all together in a little short, how it would all flow in one, but it's important to understand 
the various components that go under this pilot light pain, one of them being it's the kind of pain that does not prevent experiences, but it takes away from them. The next part of that is that the pleasures of life are treasures. Pain takes away from those pleasures, not in chunks, but bit by bit. And over the span of a lifetime, it adds up to enormous loss. It's like dripping water wearing away, hour by hour, day by day, year after year, getting worse as time passes. And the law specifically recognizes this harsh reality. They have a law that tells you you are to consider in weighing the damages, loss of capacity for the enjoyment of life. Why? Because we treasure pleasures. All of life isn't pleasure. A lot of it's hard. And if you interfere with the pleasures of life, that is a significant matter that the law actually recognizes specifically because of its importance. You see how the layers of this whole concept, and as you think about this, think about how this would enlighten a jury and take the wind out of the defense's sails of your client who may be on a surveillance picking up things and looking normal and sitting in court looking normal, and all of a sudden they're understanding, but that's not fair to stop there on the surface. Here's the next phase of it. I call it the presence that is felt but not seen. And here's what that's all about. If you looked at it like a diamond and you looked at the different facets of this kind of injury, here's another perspective. Sitting on benches at a sporting event, in pews at church, in chairs in the movies, sitting in this courtroom in the chairs like these. With this kind of an injury, the person's fidgeting, trying in vain to get comfortable, counting the minutes to be able to move. They can participate in sporting events and try not to pay attention to the nagging pain, whether it be golfing or fishing or tennis, throwing a ball, riding a bike. But they also know there'll be a price to pay, just like picking up the groceries or picking up the kids. They still will do it, but they know the whole time, boy, am I going to pay for this tonight or in the morning. Even driving, being careful not to turn too far or too long when looking for blind spots. As a passenger trying not to look out the window for too long because twisting is bad news. Or reading with your head down for too long. That's another mistake when you've got this kind of an injury that you can't see. Intimacy, sleeping, tossing and turning. Because laying in one position doesn't work. Trying to get pillows just right or the morning could be bad. Let me stop there. This layer is making the jury realize, because they've all, just like the analogy about the guy who woke up with a crick in his neck, everybody knows how it impacts so much of life, but it doesn't prevent the doing. What it does is interfere with the normal experience of the doing. And another component of it is this isn't a cane kind of injury. This is another perspective of the jury. It's about pain and the impact on the enjoyment of life, which is treasured. Currently, it does not interfere that much with doing. He's not disabled, but the pain that was thrust into his life unnaturally, by no fault of his own, takes something precious away. It's a part of his health in such a way that it impacts the experiences of life. 
Pain distracts. It dulls down pleasures we treasure. It wears. It takes a toll. Moods matter. He had a choice of how to deal with it. He could lie around griping and complaining or buck up, put a smile on and get on with it. The latter's admirable, but it makes him an easy target in a lawsuit. The defense can make light of it, but there's nothing funny about this pain. Now, let me just briefly put all that in a little short synopsis. I mostly want to tell you all those things. You wouldn't go through all of those with the jury, but it's part of your own perspective changing to prepare you to deliver an effective closing argument or opening statement of the jury. And let me just show you how easily it works all in one. This is an example of the pilot light pain with some of these concepts weaved in. And let's say you've got a younger client. At this relatively young age, his pain's not preventing doing, it's interfering with the experience of doing. It is always there in the background flickering, flaring if he is overdoing. That's why they call it pilot light pain. He still does the things a young man does. He has never said otherwise, ever. The difference is young men are not supposed to have pilot light pain in the background while they're doing. It's like someone going to the movies or going to church or driving a car with a crick in their neck. They still sit in the theater seat and enjoy the show. They still sit in the pew and take in the sermon. They still sit in the car seat and get where they're going. But the experience of it's different. It's dampened. They have to squirm and keep readjusting. They can't get and stay comfortable. The pain's distracting. That's why people say, we experience pain. It affects the experiences of things. Pilot light pain doesn't mean the person needs a cane or a walker or they have to give up the activities of life. What it means is the pain's always there, flickering, affecting the pleasure of those things. People treasure pleasures of life. There is plenty of hardship. The pleasures are treasured. Diminishing them matters. It matters so much that the law recognizes specifically. The judge told you one of the things you're supposed to consider when assessing the impact on his life is the loss of the enjoyment of life. And it's important to keep in mind today, we're talking about pilot light pain. In the years to come, when the pain overlaps with the natural aging process, the impact will not be limited to dampening the experience of doing. It will start to impact the ability of doing those things in the first place. So please keep in mind, for him, this is as good as it gets. The worst is yet to come. Time will take a toll. The neck and back are essential to mobility. Every turn and bend involves the neck and the back. Damaged discs don't get a day off. The aging process is coming, and it's going to create a mess with those damaged links in his spine. This is a verdict for all time, folks. We don't come back in 5 years, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30 years. We must assess the totality of the fallout now 
and in the future. If he was only hurt a little bit, or only had a few years left to assess, then we might be talking about far less. But these are the facts, and this is a lot of hurt for a lot of time. Thank you. I've gone through the various facets of how powerful the pilot light uh, framework is to defeat once and for all the unfair defense trick of saying, well, you don't look hurt. I suggest it. I promise you it'll make a difference for your client and for the sake of justice. For more information, please visit keithmitnick.com.